Okay, so Mother's Day, it's a beautiful celebration of motherhood, mums everywhere, biological mums, spiritual mums, adopted mums, and I want to give a special shout out before we press on in our message this morning to all the single mums who do this every day without much of a break. Can we just give a massive cheer this morning to our single mums? I take my hat off to them. They are amazing and gifted and graced by God to do what you do. We love you and we appreciate you. We think you're doing an incredible job. So we don't worry about the ambient noise, everybody. We're in the process of building a couple of amazing classrooms out the back there. It won't be far, but how good is it to hear the noise of kids anyway? On Mother's Mother's Day, right? We'll just embrace it and enjoy it for what it is. But we are on week two of a series that you saw called Running with the Giants. And it's about taking some giants from the Bible and looking at their life and taking out lessons that we can and applying it to our own life. Last week we started with Jacob and wasn't that such a great message, learning from Jacob's life. And today, everybody, the only person that would have been appropriate to choose is Mary, the mother of our Lord. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Mary and who she was as a mum. I think Mary's possibly one of the most misunderstood people in the Bible, elevated at often times above who she really is what, and what was right. Um, through the centuries gone past, there have been lovely romantic paintings and images of who this Mary was. But, um, and I just actually have a few here. She's always looking peaceful and serene, even though she was the mother of at least six children, actually. Jesus was her first, and then she had four more boys and at least two girls. There's a reference of, and my sisters. So it could have been two, it could have been more. We know Mary had at least six children. This um, picture here is called Aldo Brandini. It was painted by Raphael in 1510. And what an image of serene motherhood. Anyone relate to that? Not really. The next one, um, this is called Madonna of the Book, painted by Botticelli in 1480. Obviously, everybody, Jesus, very advanced child, reading novels already. Okay, that's Mary, Halo. You know, six children. Well, at this point, she only had one. But, you know, real image of motherhood. I don't know. Next one. We have our moments. Oh, no, we missed our last one, did we? Madonna and child. No, we've got no more. We're having... We've already had that one. It's okay. We can, we can move right on. Um, so I just want to propose to you this morning that that is not what a mother of six children looks like. Okay, I don't actually have an image of what that might look like, but I'm you know, paint your own image. I want to say to you that Mary was a very normal mother. She was a very ordinary person. When she fell pregnant with Jesus, she was probably around 14 years of age, most certainly a teenager. That's my eldest daughter's age, 14. That's very scary for me to think about. But Mary, she was an ordinary person. She came from an ordinary village 
And one day, God invades her world and says to her, Hey, Mary, you're going to fall pregnant without ever having been with a man. Not only will you have a baby, but your baby will be God. Hello? It's huge. Mary was a normal mum. She was a young mum, but she was a very normal mum. And as I want to show you today, she made some incredible statements. She had some definite parent wins, but she also experienced some really normal mum moments. And even, dare I say, parent fails. You know what? Jesus turned out okay, didn't he? Would you say that that was an accurate statement? Jesus turned out pretty okay, despite having a normal mum. I think we can take some courage from that, that God is actually able to fill our parenting gaps. God is able to fill our parenting gaps. And this is my statement. This is my take-home message today, everybody. I want to propose to you this, that we do our best and God does the rest. We do our parenting best and God does the rest. Come on, say it to someone next to you. We do our best and God does the rest. Can I hear an amen? Anybody feeling relieved about that this morning? Okay, are we ready to look at Mary as a mum? Go on a little journey with Mary. I've got to keep this really quick. Oh, yeah. Okay, praise the Lord. Two minutes. Um, so the first thing I want to tell you this morning, and if you're taking notes, it's going to be so good for you. I've got nine really quick points that Mary was willing to be sacrificial. Happy Martyr's Day. Do you know when that angel came to her and said, hey, you know, you're going to become pregnant with the Son of God. Mary didn't ask for 24 hours to think and pray it through. Oh, I'm just going to have to take a little bit of time on that one, Gabriel. I'm just not sure if I'm really up for this experience just yet. You know, I'm only 14. She said, yes, let it be done to me as you say. She was sacrificial from the very, very beginning. She agrees to receive a pregnancy in a culture that had a potential death penalty for adultery. The way things looked wasn't very good. She decided on the spot. And who knows here that having children is the beginning of real sacrifice. Parenthood really makes a person. You don't know what real sacrifice is like until you endure nine months of pregnancy. Where are all the pregnant women? Give me away. You don't know what real sacrifice is until you go through labour and you feel the extremes of what your body can do. Or wake up in the middle of the night and feed your baby using your own body. Or have sleepless nights while your child is trying to decide whether it's night or day. Or run in and do the food shopping. This was probably my favourite one with a baby and a toddler. And the toddler's screaming because it can see all the lollies and the special treats in the aisles. And the baby's screaming because it's ready to be fed and you've taken so much longer doing the food shopping than you were supposed to do. That's real sacrifice. Can I hear an amen? It is intense, it is unrelenting, and it is sacrificial. Okay, point number two. Mary had friends who encouraged her on the journey. You know, as soon as she found out she was pregnant, she runs to her cousin Elizabeth. 
And she has the support and the love of her precious cousin. As soon as Mary walks in the door, Elizabeth, Elizabeth shouts at her, the Bible says. Elizabeth shouts to her, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Having friends who can encourage you in the journey. Basically, Elizabeth says, God's given you this child and you're blessed and you can do it. How good would it be to have friends who say, God's given you that child. You're blessed and you can do it. We need friends in the journey. Number three, Mary knew the word of God. Do you know, when she went to Elizabeth, she sang a song. It's often called the Magnificat. Do you know, in her song, she uses 13 references to Old Testament scripture. She knew the word inside and out. And I want to propose to you today, mothers, grandmothers, mothers-to-be, you need to know the word of God for children. You need to be able to pray the word of God over children. When everything is going not the way you planned, you need to know the word of God for your children, for your grandchildren. Number four, are we getting all these? Mary didn't have the means to give Jesus everything she wanted to give him. You know, she dedicated her child to God, as was the custom in those Jewish days. And along with the baby dedication, they had to sacrifice an animal. Now, if you read in Leviticus, it talks about, in Leviticus 12 verses 2, it talks about if you were a really poor family, you could sacrifice two pigeons. And if you read the story of Jesus' dedication, Mary sacrificed two pigeons. Do you think that Mary would have wanted to be able to buy the best possible sacrifice for her son, that she would want to present him at church with the best possible outfit and the best possible sacrifice before this son of hers that she loved so dearly? I'm sure she would have. We all feel like that about her children. I'm sure that she wanted... You know, for Jesus to grow up with the latest and the greatest, the Hatchimal. You know, Jesus, I want to buy you a Hatchimal, the greatest toy ever created. Um, Jesus, I wanted you to have Beyblades. Um, Jesus, I wanted for you to have a PlayStation and play Fortnite. Um, Jesus, I wanted for you to have a pair of Nike Air Jordans so you could run down the dusty streets and not get dirty feet. I'm sure that she wanted the best for Jesus, but she couldn't afford it. And Jesus turned out all right, didn't he? Um, you know, when I was growing up, I really wanted a pair of rivers because all the cool kids had a pair of rivers boots. And I know that my mum and dad wanted to buy me a pair of rivers. And at that point, they just didn't have quite enough money, but I'm sure they saved. And by the time they saved and they got me a pair of rivers and I was so excited and how ugly are they? But anyway, I feel like by the time I got them, they were out of fashion. But the love and the joy that my parents must have felt in giving me these boots that I wanted was amazing. Okay, number five, Mary experienced fear. You know, every year... Mary and Joseph made the long trek back to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. 
And after the festival, they would turn around and make the long trek back home. Well, this particular year, when our young Jesus was 12, they made it as far as a day's journey outside of Jerusalem before they realized they did not have their son with them. Where has he gone? The Bible says they searched for Jesus for three days. Eventually, they find him in the temple. Mary left her son behind. I want to propose to you that that could have been an underparenting moment. When she found him, she said to him, this is out of the Bible, Luke 2.48, Son! Son! Why have you treated us like this? Hedek! Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you for three days. She experienced, am I yelling, fear. Has anyone here ever left a child behind? I would like to tell you I have left a child behind. Well, actually, I didn't quite leave her behind. I was misinformed about a pickup time and I left her in a school car park between 8 and 9 o'clock at night in the cold. I know, terrible, right? Mother of the year right here. Lucky for me, Amelia is a fairly resilient child. We have no scriptures about Jesus between the ages of 12 and 30. There's nothing recorded about him, but just maybe that's a good thing. You know, Jesus going through the teen years and we don't have information about him. But I had a little thought that, you know, maybe if we did have information about him, it might go something like this. Um, Mary to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, um, we're having um, hummus and pita bread for dinner tonight with a side of Moroccan lamb. Um, I was wondering, could you go to the, to the markets for me and pick up some flour? We're all out of flour, need some flour. Um, and Jesus is like, um, Mom, I don't really want to go to the shops. I've just sat down to do some woodwork. Um, can you send one of the other kids? And she's like, no, Jesus, I want you to go to the shops. We need hummus and flour for pita bread. And so Jesus says, okay, mum, just give me a minute. Hey, mum, check the cupboard again because I think yeah, there might be flour in there after all. Anyway, did you get that? <laughs> Number six, Mary made some parenting mistakes. In John 2.4, there's this story about um, the wedding. And Mary is there with Jesus and they're at a wedding and they ran out of wine. What a terrible situation to have at a wedding. And um, Mary tries to push Jesus into turning the water in, into wine. Um, she puts pressure on him to do something that it wasn't yet his time to do. When Mary said to Jesus, you need to do this, Jesus turns around and publicly, publicly rebukes his mum. He says, this woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. I want to propose to you that she meddled into Jesus' adult affairs. Any mums here like to meddle in their adult child's affairs? I want to say she overparented. She underparented, she lost her son. She also overparented and she didn't understand her child at times. Any parents here not always understand their children at times? She literally went to pull Jesus out of preaching to the crowds because she didn't think what he was doing was correct. She thought he was crazy. It says here, um, 
I didn't write down my scripture reference. Can you put the next slide up? It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered, Mark 3.20, so that, um, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he's gone out of his mind. I want to propose to you that Mary was sometimes demanding of her children. Any parents here demanding of their children? She insisted that Jesus defer to her requests in Matthew 12, 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside wanting to speak with him, demanding to speak with him. And someone said to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, your mum and your brothers are outside and they're demanding to speak to you. And he replied, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? I mean, how's that for a bit of a slap in the face? Who's encouraged by the fact that sometimes Mary got it wrong? We do our best and God, God does the rest. We're nearly there. Mary experienced pain. People in her own hometown who knew her, knew her family, knew Joseph, called Jesus a fraud. They called him a drunkard. They even called him the devil at one point. She had to stand by and watch her son endure harsh names. And I want to say that sometimes we have to stand by as parents and watch our children endure hard, painful encounters. It's like a sword going through your heart, is it not? For those people in the room who have watched their child walk through hard things, being called harsh names, it's a hard thing. And you know what? When Mary was dedicating her child, Jesus Christ, in the temple, a man called Simeon prophesied over Jesus. And he said this to Mary. He said, This child is destined to cause the rise and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Motherhood is sometimes a journey of pain. But yet, say this, but yet. Number eight, Mary let him follow the call of God. You know, there is not much mention of Mary after Jesus' ministry begins. There's a few little scriptures. But just think about it. How hard would it have been for Mary to raise her son to 30 years, to love him, to change his nappies, to feed him? to mend his bruised out, banged up knees, to speak with him about relationships and help him with friendships and then at 30 release him to the world. But you know what? You're doing the same thing. You're not raising a child for you. You're raising a child for the world. Um, we're building a house and a month ago we were at our pre-start meeting and the lady who was with us was a Christian. And she had a daughter in her early 20s and her daughter was a Christian, had just finished doing some Bible college and was about to embark on an indefinite amount of time mission trip to the Middle East. And when we were talking with this lady about it, she actually just started weeping. And she said, I actually just am in the place where I can't talk about this right now. Her daughter was going to a really dangerous place to work with people in the midst of war. 
And I want to say that letting our children follow the call of God, when God reveals it in due time, maybe he already has, maybe your children are grown, but sometimes we have to take our hands off and let our children do what God is calling them to do, though it's hard, though it's painful, though they go into dangerous places and zones. We have to let them say yes to the call of God. And number nine, Mary trusted God in the hard parenting moments. You know, we know that Mary was at the cross when Jesus died. It talks about that in John 19, 25. We know that Mary was in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. How amazing is that? We read about that in Acts 1.13. But Mary stayed connected to the bigger picture of what God had planned for her son's life. And that carried Mary through some of the hard parenting moments. And I want to say to you today, mums and dads, that we need to stay connected to God's bigger purposes for our child's life. Yes, there will be moments of fear, pain, anxiety, confusion, hardship, insecurity, despair. But we need to see what God is doing in the midst of it all because he is always at work. He is always doing something in all of our lives. So we need to stay connected with the bigger picture. We do our best and what? We do the best that we can do and God does the rest. Mary was